right. Welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, badass strength coach in Denver, Colorado, Alex Friedman. Today, we have some special guests. So we have some strength coaches from Denver as well. They're Alex's coworkers, colleagues-ish. Yeah. 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 Uh, And we got Aaron Porter and Nate Smock, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. For sure. All right. So basically how I want to start it off is we'll start just left to right on my screen. Aaron, you're on the left of my screen. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I've worked at Lando Performance for a little over six years, about seven years now. Um, went to college at Metro State uh, here in Denver and got my exercise physiology degree there. Um, interned at, at Lando Performance under Lauren Lando and then uh, just kind of folded right in and started started working there. Uh, while I was in college at Metro State, I started doing jujitsu. Um, and so just kind of through training, that was kind of the group that, that I gravitated towards with strength conditioning. So once I got with Lando Performance, I just started working with guys I knew from from the gym I was training at, and fast forward to now. And here we are. Show yourself. Aaron just got his black belt like a month ago. So. Oh no shit! Congrats, yeah. dude. Got, yeah, thank Congrats, you. Bro. Yeah, yeah. You keep yeah. you stick around long enough, and they'll just they give it to you. <laughs> yep. It's crazy. Oh, we haven't rolled yet, Aaron, but I, I only imagine that you're pretty tough. Don't don't slow yourself uh, short there. Tough. I can. Tough. I can. Yeah, I can. I can live up to that, but. Technique? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> nah, yeah, we should. We need to roll sometime. That'd be yeah. that'd be awesome. Absolutely. Um, sure. Justin yeah. took me to uh, Centennial, and then I had to wear a gi, and I got my ass kicked. Ooh. So that's how that went. It's a different game. It's yes. a different game in the gi. Yeah, Dude, I can't stand the gi. It slows me down the whole time. It's just yeah, getting all the grips. Not not a fan. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a slower game. You know, it's 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 quite a bit different. You know, it's funny when I first started. I, there were only two no gi classes on the schedule the whole week. Damn. So it was like everyone just did gi and then slowly it just started transitioning into more no gi. And now it's like almost the opposite where no one wants to train in the gi and everybody wants to just do no gi. Yeah. Cool. It's, it, it's like the 10th planet style, like took over the entire jujitsu world. Yeah. And wrestlers could make like yeah. a smoother transition yeah. too, you know? So yeah. yeah, like the gi wrestlers don't like that. No, not a fan. <laughs> I was like, my first yeah. time, I was like, these these guys are holding on to my clothes and they're trying to choke me. This is bullshit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep, yeah. It makes you're like way less dynamic, you know, like when somebody sure. latched onto your pants, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> not going anywhere. All right, Nate, tell us a little bit about you yourself. So similar, but a little bit different background than Aaron. So I went to Hastings College out in Nebraska, and I played football there. After I was done with football, I transferred over to Metro State and finished my exercise science degree there. Um, I had actually transferred to Metro State because I knew they were they offered internship programs. Um, and so I kind of looked in. I knew about Lauren Landau. And so I made my transition to an internship there where I was lucky enough to get one. Um, I've been there for about six years now with a degree in exercise science and a minor in nutrition. And um, coming from the contact sports background, I, you know, was very fascinated with mixed martial arts as well. Um, but I also know it was a way different approach than um, your football atmosphere for strength conditioning. So I spent a lot of time um, just kind of shadowing and volunteering and learning sessions to kind of just learn. And now here I am uh, working with Aaron and, you know, we're working with some of the same guys and a lot of new guys as well. 
um, in that same group that we were helping Warren out with six years ago. Yeah. And can you just elaborate on who that group is and, and what team you guys work out? I mean, I know, I know, I know Austin knows, but like for the people listening, like you work with team elevation and in Denver, Colorado, and who all does that entail? So team elevation we work with. So we used to have guys like Neil Magny, Curtis blades, and now we work with, uh, they're not all elevation guys like Justin Gaethje, okay. Corey Sandhagen, Grant Neal, who's a Genesis. So we kind of have a couple guys that have mixed in there too, um, which is cool that they're all about training with each other too, because yeah. it helps each other. Um, those are kind of like some of the big guys. We've got Drew Dober working in that group. Um, and we have a lot of guys as well, just at the LFA level. Um, Bellator, Archie Colgan. Um, dude, that kid's an so, animal. Yeah, yeah. He's His a pretty last strong fight in Bellator. Dude. Fuck, yeah. He can be so a problem. Good. Yeah. He yeah. can be a problem. Yeah. And, you know, Aaron's done a good job, too, getting some of these jujitsu guys in as well, where it's not, you know, some of the guys aren't all just MMA. Some of the guys are jujitsu that Aaron's brought in as well, but it's been pretty fun just trying to build them up. Um, and get a lot of guys that are trying to make a name for themselves as well. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the, that's the exciting part of it is when guys are hungry and, uh, and they're coming into training every day and they have a specific mission that they're on. Right. Then, then you get to coach and facilitate versus try and motivate, which I always find really fun. Um, but no, that was one of my biggest motivations to try and come into Landau and, uh, start talking with everybody and you guys is that you guys, I say you guys, I say we now Landau performance pretty much trains every mixed martial artist in Denver. Um, so that was a big motivation and learning from guys like you that have been doing it for four or five or six years. Um, it's just a big leap for me in my career and, and hopefully helps me move forward and gain a better understanding, I suppose. Um, so after that, can we like jump into what are some of like the basic or your general outline of your program that you guys write for a lot of these MMA guys? Yeah. So like on, on Mondays, we usually do our, our strength power days. Um, strength stability kind of depends on where guys are at in camp. Um, if they're, if they're further out, then maybe if they have the, the room for it, we'll do some hypertrophy training, but you know, a lot of the guys, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to hit those rep ranges. So, so we just work on pure strength and stability, maybe rehab some of those injuries that they had during camp. Um, and then as they get closer, we transition that from, from, uh, strength to, to more of a power focus. We do, uh, post-activation potentiation for a lot of the guys on Mondays. Um, and that's kind of the bulk of, of what we do on Monday. Then Wednesday, we turn around and do more of the lactic work. So, um, hitting the aerobic system pretty hard when, when, uh, they're further out from camp, a lot of guys need that for weight maintenance. Also just a, you know, a strong aerobic system just so they're recovering in between practices. They can tolerate those hour long practices a little bit better as they get closer to their fight. Then that transitions more into the sport specific stuff where we're hitting higher in intervals, you know, higher intensities. And then working on that, that heart rate recovery, um, tracking that, you know, while they're close to the, that last month of the fight, making sure that their heart rate's recovering uh, in between those bouts of exercise. And then we get them in Friday morning, too, and, and they spar on Friday. So, you know, if they, especially if they're in camp, we're, we're doing pretty basic activation stuff. Nothing that's going to hit them very hard, you know, low intensity, low volume, uh, a, a little bit of a shakeout, you know, before, before they spar at, at like one or two o'clock. So um, we don't want to hit them too hard. They come in at 10, just kind of turn the system on, shut it back off. And then uh, if they're out of camp though, you know, that could be our, our second day for some good strength work. Some of those guys need that second strength day. So so we'll throw some more strength work on there if they're, if they're not really sparring. No, that's okay. awesome. I, that was my question is like, 
you employ like a conjugate scheme then year round for all the, a lot of these guys or for the athletes that do come in year round? Yeah. So, you know, it's a, or Lauren likes to call it, uh, he called it a daily undulated model, for sure. which, you know, we completely agree with because in the beginning of the week, we think about how Monday, that's when they're going to be the freshest. Um, and so that's kind of when we hit our more high neural work, that strength, power, um, and add some correctives in as well on that day. And then we know on Wednesday, they're going to be a little bit more beat up, but we understand that um, their lactate capacity work isn't quite as nearly demanding. So we're able to put that in on Wednesday. And then Friday, um, as Aaron just said, that's more like the aerobic base day. But in that aerobic base day, what makes that cool is you're touching a little bit on strength. You're touching a little bit on like core stability, knee stability. So they're constantly moving, um, but it's not high intensity as well. We're just touching on a bunch of qualities. But what makes it aerobic is the fact that they're not stopping. They're supposed to keep moving the whole time. Yeah. So it's kind of instead of just, you know, your basic 20-minute bike ride, we kind of try to add a little bit of a uh, um, couple extra things, kill a couple birds with one stone. For sure. Right. It's like it's like taking like Kresge's approach to mobility work where you turn it into an aerobic circuit as you go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then you don't know what you're going to get, you know, like you get them on Monday and they may look great, but on Wednesday, you know, what, you don't know what's happened. You know, they've, well, oh, they've gone sure. to wrestling pra- practice. They've, <laughs> they've had sparring on Tuesday. So you don't know what you're going to get Wednesday. So, you know, it's always, you always have a plan, but you have to be willing to deviate away from that because, you know, if they're smashed on Wednesday and, and, you know, they're, they're not, they're coming in hunched over, limping, banged up, then, you know, you know, we're, we're willing to, we're willing to turn and go a different direction if, if we need to. Well, and that goes to another question is how close a contact are you with Whitman and all the, all the other coach? I don't know who Genesis's coach is, but are you guys in constant communication back and forth? Like, Hey, this Wednesday wrestling practice fucking sucked. It was a grinder. So we probably have to scale back stuff. You guys having that conversation every week? Yeah. Uh, I'd say, especially in camp, um, you know, like guys like Trevor Whitman with, we know Gage's got a camp coming up. We'll kind of, you know, we'll make phone calls to those guys or meet with them in person at sparring. Um, and we'll just kind of say, hey, what what's your game plan this camp for you as a skills coach? And we'll kind of listen to, to what their game plan is. And a lot of the times, sometimes it might be similar. Sometimes they're going to be taking a little bit of a different approach. Um, and then I ask them from our end, what, what, what's, what changes have you what do you guys think that maybe from what you've seen at sparring, um, this is what we've seen our, on our end. Um, we'll ask questions like, is their schedule changing too? Because, you know, if their schedule changes, maybe we might have to change our focus of when we do our strength work or our conditioning work or maybe how we dose them. Um, obviously, like they got a hard wrestling practice. We don't on a Thursday and they say they missed a day and they have to come in that Thursday. Well, that might not be smart for us to give them a hard uh, – conditioning and then go to wrestling right so we do have to have that communication um especially with things like hey you know he's like i'm pretty run down today on my part um just so you're aware of what might be coming into you mm-hmm. or they might send us a message hey you know so and so messed up his knee today we don't think it's serious but maybe let's be smart on that so 
it is a, you know, at least a weekly conversation, especially when they're in camp that we've got to have with some of these coaches. Heck yeah. And I love, I love that you said you guys are going to sparring. That's something that me and Alex always preach on the podcast. And so I, I don't know what he's told you about me, but so I'm a Cairo and everything, but I'm also a strength coach down here for most of the fight ready guys. Um, and then I'm, I also help out as a wrestling coach over at fight ready as well. And the one thing that I feel like when you, when the strength coach isn't going to sparring and seeing how the guys are performing week after week after week, then you don't really know what changes you have to make in the strength conditioning realm. It's a skill coach can only say so much. They don't understand the minutia, not understand, but they don't know the inner workings of the S and C realm. So if you can see it firsthand and you're like, Oh, they're fading a little bit. That's so important. And I love that you guys are getting over there. And that's, it's just something I wish more strength coaches did just take an hour out of your week to head over there. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, you knock a lot of birds out with one stone, you know, you get to connect with the coaches in a face-to-face mm-hmm. manner too. Yeah. You know, you can talk to them like, okay, you know, what is the game plan or what are you seeing? Or, you know, like you can, and, and you also see the fighters in a different realm as well. You know, they come into, they come into the weight room, you know, most of them aren't comfortable there. You know, they're not themselves. They're, they're worried yes. about messing up on it. You know, you get them in the sparring room and then all these personalities start blossoming and you see these guys starting acting the way they are, you know, when they're comfortable they're you know they're gonna they're, they know that you're there to watch them and, and you know so they feel good about that and, and yeah I think going to sparring it's like it is it's an hour I mean but man it's so valuable to go over there and connect with the guys on that on 100%. that wavelength yeah 100% I think that it cannot be overlooked um, being at practice being involved um, in sparring for sure um, yeah. that being said too how much do you guys get into or I guess what does the conversation look like between you and the coaches or you and the athletes of like workload management and like uh like a schedule setting and stress and load recovery type of stuff because yeah we know this population and these athletes just like to hit it hard day in day out yeah i mean we like i know with uh some of the fighters that like i'm connecting with we're talking about deload weeks you know which weeks we're going to take down you know that's kind of the main thing um and you know it's, it's a case-by-case basis you know some fighters have a higher tolerance to it than others and so, um, you know, it may look different for each one, one fighter gets, you know, a fight six weeks out, you know, and so that schedule looks a little bit different than somebody that gets a fight and they're 12 weeks out or 14 weeks or two weeks, right. you know, so, um, that's just another thing. It's just like kind of an open line of communication, you know, we, that, yeah, it's like we talk with the coaches on just kind of a regular basis about what weeks we're going to take down and, and, you know, we'll set some sort of a schedule. So we make sure that that they're not doing too many like red line practices in a row or, you know, like we're finding days that are a little bit more on a down on a neural standpoint, you know, they're, they don't have a wrestling sparring, you know, a lot of live training in consecutive days and and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think we do a pretty good job, you know, and and a lot of the coaches over there we've worked with for a long time. And so, you know, just kind of after, over over repetition they kind of understand you know sometimes you gotta you know reset a little bit but for the most part i feel like the coaches that we work with are are pretty good about knowing kind of periodization and and those kind of things yeah and you know what to kind of bounce off what aaron it just when you guys talked about management um how much to give or when to take profit just kind of made me think about one of our guys we had um about three months ago, he was in the camp and he had, he had a little bit of a knee injury and a shoulder injury at the same time. And so uh, his coach gives me a phone call and he says, Hey dude, we got to just lay off this guy right now. He's doing way too much. He's um, you know, nothing's going to get better right now with what we give him. But the good news was is he's a veteran. So 
um, at least his skill set is pretty developed. So it made made uh, Aaron and I think, well, what can we do for this guy that's kind of hurting? He can't, you know, get his conditioning and fitness in now for a few weeks with sparring and he can't do as much in his mid sessions. So that makes us think, okay, so maybe we got to make a little bit of a change of our Fridays than the active recovery. You know, maybe we give him um, a 20 minute circuit. That's kind of similar to sparring, but at the same time from a muscle group perspective, but at the same time staying away from those injuries, that way he's still burning calories. He's still keeping his level of fitness up and at least help make an easier transition when he does have to go back to sparring. Um, yeah. Not to mention when those guys are dealing with the weight cut, we got to make sure we're kind of keeping the uh, burning those calories for them as well. Sure. Yeah. Hey man. Yeah. The, the inactivity counts almost twice as much when you're in camp, right? Because you're losing out on the skill development, but you're also not chipping away at your weight cut, which is a huge part of the culture of the sport. Um, but I want to go back to one thing that you said, Aaron, as far as uh, it being a case by case basis. And I feel like that's uh, a lot of the times, like so much of this training paradigm that we're in is it's such an individualized sport and every situation has its own individual aspects with weight classes, with um, fighting styles, with individual just fighter personalities. Um, how big of an effort do you guys make? And I know you make an effort because I've, I've seen you do it um, to individualize programs and uh, make sure that you're giving each specific athlete the, their own best program. Yeah. I mean, it's uh fighters come in all different shapes and sizes, you know, they're, they have different strengths, but th- there's nothing really that you want to sacrifice as far as like uh, the biomotor abilities of an athlete. You don't, you don't want to give up speed, you know, you don't want to give up strength. So, but they all come with different, different gifts, you know? And so it, we try to give them what they need. You know, if, if somebody, if somebody is going to go spar seven rounds every Friday and every Tuesday and they never get tired, I mean, you know, like, there's a pretty good chance that their, that, that their strength is lacking though as well, you know? So we hit them with the strength, you know? And so, and that's, and, and that's how it, that's how it is with a lot of them. So um, yeah, we try to individualize as much as we can, you know, at the same time you're dealing with maybe a group of, you know, 15, 20 fighters at one time, you know, there's only so much you can do, but you know, you moderate or you uh, modify the rep ranges, um, different, different movements, different secondary exercises like that. And it, I feel like we've done, you know, me and Nate do a really good job of, of kind of making programs um, specific to one person, even though when we have a big group in, so it's like little modifications that you can make that just favor them, what they need and, and tailor to them just in small ways um, the best that we can. But yeah, uh, you know, it'd be nice to be able to get these guys all in at one-on-ones and give them exactly what they need. But, you know, at the end of the day, they all need to be strong. Yeah. So I think everybody can agree on that. So yeah, lift some weight, sure. you know, they all need injury prevention. So get the band work in, you know, do those kind of things. So, um, yeah. You know, what has happened, what has helped with that too. I think, uh, Lauren Landau used to talk about to us, um, at some of our work settings is the ABC workout, you know? So we have kind of that general plan for the majority of the group. And then we can take that general plan and, and then kind of like Aaron said, we keep it very similar, but then it's like, okay, this guy's going to have to go over here. This guy's go over here, but they're all doing something similar. That way we can keep our eyes on them. Um, whether, like Aaron said, with adjusting the rep range, uh, this guy, you know, he can do this in the workout. He's on the C workout because he's hurt. So he's got to do this similar workout, but we got to make these adjustments. This guy in the B workout, he is 
and he's getting close to a fight. So instead of the strength work, we're just going to change that squat to a speed squat or something like that. So it's always a very similar platform, but with kind of like your ABC adjustments. Yeah. Okay. I like that a lot, actually, having, having just multiple options. Um, one thing that I want to know is what, what kind of assessments do you guys do? Do you guys do movement quality assessments before work? Because I think it's probably different because Alex is with the Factory X team, and that seems like a just a huge team. I don't know. I've never been up there. And then elevation seems a little bit more specialized in nature, where there's less people, but a little bit more one-on-one attention, if you will. Do you guys do individual assessments on a case-by-case basis? Do you have an assessment you guys go through? Um, is there movement quality that you look at? Well, um, you know, our warm-up, the the Lando warm-up is, is kind of the initial assessment that we give guys on a daily basis whenever we do see them. Okay. Um, and the first time, And the first time that you go through with someone on that, you'll learn a lot about them. Um, and then, you know, through repetition, you know, what's normal. So the warm up just kind of keeping it consistent, keeps it dialed in on what, what's consistent for that athlete, what looks normal for that athlete, you know, how are they reaching overhead? You know, how are they hinging? Um, you know, what, what kind of, what kind of movements do they have, uh, through a straight leg series? You know, these, these kind of type of movements we can always be assessing and and reassessing. And then, um, we have a, pretty good amount of fighters that use hrv uh the heart rate variability um and so we're tracking that and and you know using that as as part of their training uh for them it's a great knowledge piece to kind of know for them what's helping them recover and what's what's hurting them um and so it's it's great for them on that self-assessment side for the hrv and then we're doing heart rate we we do heart rate monitoring um heart rate recovery i think is pretty big for us and Mm -hmm. as, as we get close to the fight big confidence booster when those fighters get to see their heart rate recovery improving uh, as they get close to the fight. And so um, uh, those are, I think our, our three biggest assessments, but yeah, that, that it's kind of a, a 12 minute warm up that we go through Orlando performance and, and um, it, it includes a lot of comprehensive dynamic movements that you can, you can learn a lot from the way somebody can move uh, the way somebody, the way somebody looks. Uh, and, and that's always kind of an assessment that we use. Absolutely. That, yeah. I look, I love those HRVs and everything, the HRV and the aura rings that all the guys got, because it's just that immediate buy-in of, well, I don't know if you've seen the the meme recently, or it was like, if it's this train going through and it's just this train hitting a bus and the bus just says sleeping less than eight hours and eating like a fucking child. And it's this train going right through the bus. And that's what the aura ring and all these HRV and all these different like metrics. That's what I get that buy-in from is being able to say, oh, you ate like shit yesterday and you slept four hours. Well, you woke up at 50. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and it, it, it's, you know, we know, we all yeah. know, right. Yeah. But for some yeah. reason it's nice to see it. Something else tells us, Hey, you're sleeping like shit, you know, or you're not, yeah. you're not helping yourself out here. You know? <laughs> Just go to sleep earlier. Or, right. Dude, for whatever reason, whatever numbers get buy-in. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it do. is, but numbers get buy-in. Oh, it's, yeah, a, it's an accountability yeah. check and it's a very straightforward measure. There's no like, ah, yeah, I should be better at that. It's like, no, you suck at that. Like period, you know? Yeah. I feel like it's a very straightforward feedback. And you yeah, suck you at know it what? again and again <laughs> <That's>, and again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the fun part about the fighters too is, um, I mean, that really goes for any athlete or any client, but it's a everyday assessment all day. Um, and that being throughout the whole session, it's an assessment. Um, you know, some, a lot of people might just think of their assessment. So, you know, one rep max and let's improve that. Um, but a lot of the times we're thinking, you know, that, that max is going to change on a day-to-day basis. 
Um, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why we don't exactly have a one rep max day. Um, also, because we don't want to hurt them. Uh, if they're trying right. to go balls to the wall and, you know, this fighter who is top five or whatever in the world, the last thing we need to do is give them bad back, especially with everything that they do uh, with the weird positions their back's already in. So that assessment, if I, especially on our strength days, we'll say, okay, we're on the trap bar. You know what? We're looking pretty good today. This is where we're co- starting to compensate at this load. So we can kind of guesstimate, you know, where that max is without actually giving them a true one RM. We can cut them off and then, you know, maybe three weeks later, they're picking up a little bit heavier weight without that compensation, you know, without rounding that low back. And to me, that's a great improvement right there from an assessment. It might not be just a bunch of numbers written down always, but it's also your eyes are probably one of the best uh, assessment tools you can use. So I'm a big fan of that. Like every rep is an assessment type of thing. And like, not only in like a, like a physical capability type of thing, or like maybe like an athlete's just like going through the motion and you can have like an assessment on like, all right, they're not in it today or they're not feeling it today. And you can adjust accordingly, you know, kind of be a coach in that sense. So I think that that gets really big as far as like having the interpersonal relationship enough with the fighters, because I feel like they're so approachable. Um, And you do have to have that one-on-one interaction. Um, What's been your guys' experience with that as far as like, getting you no know, fighters one-on-one or um, just coming to meet them halfway and seeing them uh, through that relationship in a coach athlete setting. So for me, I feel like a lot of it is a qu- questions, asking questions all the time when they yeah. walk through the door, um, whether it's just sending a quick te- text message, Hey man, how you feeling? What'd you do this weekend? Um, um, from a relationship standpoint, all that, you know, that's really cool that you're, you know, doing that fundraiser, man, that's awesome. And I think like when you take an interest in their, you know, not just in their fighting. If you know me, you know, I'm always on the run up early and home late. So having a three hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG one. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG one a try because it was, I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash proven grit. That's drinkag1.com slash proven grit. Check it out. If you know me, you know I'm always on the run, up early and home late. So having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because it was, I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. 
Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash provengrit. Check it out. Uh, but as they as who they are as a person... Yeah. I really think that helps create a lot of buy-in too. Um, Cause you're showing your, you care about them. You care about what they're doing in their life and you're not there just to be a fan of watching them in the octagon. You know, they're, <laughs> they're people too. And they want other people to not just appreciate them for being an entertainer per se. Um, and I think once you kind of develop that relationship, just through asking questions that might not even be strength condition related, it creates they might become more open to talk to you as well of what's going on in their skills training. Um, hey coach, um, you know, I'm kind of beat up today, man. I got to pull back or, uh, Hey, you know, I've got my schedule. This is my practice schedule. I'm going to communicate it, uh, more often now to you because they trust you. So they start communicating what things look like in their week. And so I think the relationship is the big part and you've got to take interest in each person individually. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah. I mean, it's, it goes, it goes beyond the strength and conditioning, but that all kind of ties into it. You know, if the, these guys are going through something in their personal life, like maybe that's why they're not into the session. You know, yeah. maybe it's because it's their 12th practice of the week and they're just burnt out on it, you know, and those are great opportunities to ask questions that maybe other people aren't asking, you know, like, what is going on? You know, maybe they don't want to open up to other people or people just aren't asking, you know, because they put on their fighters, yeah. you know, they put on the game face, you know, and, and that, that's, that's, how they can get through those kind of things. But, um, you know, like, like checking in on them and, 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 you know, going through those, those t- tough times on their personal life, you know, and, and kind of helping them through that, you know, meeting them for coffee or, you know, going on a hike with them, whatever it may be, you know, like, but showing up to a, showing up for them outside the gym, I think, yeah, I mean, that's, that's uh that goes way beyond you know for them i think for them to buy in with you but i mean i get a lot out of that as well as a coach you know i enjoy those times too you know and helping guys do those kind of things and and trying to be a mentor in in some of the younger guys's you know early mistakes that they're making you know and like you know like i mean we've all been there you know we've all done the young dumb things and and so you know like just kind of opening up yourself and and let you know like let them know that you know like Hey, you know, I've been there too. You know, I've done these things before too, and it's all right. We'll all get through it. You know, they, 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 they love those kind of things, you know, and they, they need that, you know, we all need that. But, but I think that that helps with not just your fighters, any client that you have, you know, you should be looking beyond the, beyond the workouts with them. hundred percent. Dude, that's one of my favorite things is like, there's this little coffee shop right by fight ready. And every Friday I try to get at least one of my athletes and we just either go get coffee or there's actually a nice little restaurant right next to it. Just, just have lunch for 45 minutes. That's 45 minutes that can change the rest of their weekend. 
by just having yeah. like an actual conversation. Yeah. Honestly, that's probably yeah. the most fun thing of my job is because like you guys know as strength coaches, or like, even if I have the healthcare hat on or whatever it may be, I have more one-on-one time as a strength coach or as the healthcare of them than the skill coaches do for the most part, they have to run a class full of 30, 30, 35 people versus me. I, I have one or two people at a time. I get to actually listen to these guys and talk with these guys and build relationships. So it's cool because strength coaches can be that bridge where you're with them and you're actually having real conversations with them enough that you could pick up on what's really bugging them versus on the other end, the skill coach having to try to pick up on a room full of 30 people who's feeling shitty that day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, they don't, they don't probably want to open up as much to you in a room full of 30 people, you know, but you get them out of the gym. The conversations are different, you know, you can ask yeah. different questions, you know, and they'll say, they'll give you different answers, you know, like mm-hmm. you ask them how they're doing and they're, they're not doing well, but there's 20 other people around them. Do you think they're going to say they feel like shit, you know, cause then that leads to those other questions that, you know, right. they get emotional for them. So, you know, they, they protect that. So yeah, you can ask different questions and have different conversations outside the gym. For sure. Yeah. So I, oh, I got a, I got Go a ahead. question for you guys. So this is just the healthcare person in me. Do you guys have PTs or Kairos or MDs? Uh, it doesn't matter what what degree or what what lens they're in. Do you have people that you trust and refer to out in Denver? Do you guys have a part of that as a part of your guys's team, or is it kind of, is that kind of separate where it would be the healthcare separate from the strength and conditioning? Yeah, I mean it's separate. So, you know, we have certain people that we refer to, but got you. It, yeah, I mean it's we don't have them like uh they're not like uh connected to us in any way. Right? right. It's it's not like a you're sitting down with a for a meeting with this guy talking talking through shit or girl or whoever it may be. It's not like you guys are having open community or like like how I talked about with something I'm very passionate about is somebody like me where I'm doing their healthcare, whatever it may be, making sure they're the recovery, making sure they feel good is in contact with you guys as much as we can. If it, if it's a separate realm, because if I'm picking up on something when I'm doing their manual therapy or if I'm doing something like that, well, that's on me to tell you guys, because if I don't tell you guys, well, well, fuck, then something's going to fall in between the cracks. So I just, I, I, it's cool talking to different strength coaches around the country and seeing, is that a thing that's there yet? And if it's not a thing that's there yet, how do, how do we make that open line of communication with somebody you guys fucking trust? And that's, so that's one yeah. thing that we have that's, oh, I think like I got delayed. One thing that we have that kind of helps us too, is we have a lot of uh, MAT specialists at our facility at Landau's. Okay. Um, and so, you know, we might say, Hey, you know, check out Augie over here. You know, he's pretty good in MAT. He can take a look at you. And the cool thing that I trust about those guys too, they might say, dude, I feel like this might be out of my room too. And so they'll refer out, you know, we'll have a couple uh, names. Okay. We'll have a couple names of maybe some other people. Hey, this is an orthopedic guy or this chiropractor over here. Uh, you know, he's been doing pretty good work, but some of the fighters too, they have their own person. They've already maybe, had before they came in, which is fine too. Gotcha. Um, so we do have kind of like a, not necessarily contracted, but we will have some, you know, a couple options and uh, to give the guys, Hey, you could try this. And if they don't like it, I trust that they're going to send you the here. Or so we do have yeah. that type of communication system, just nothing that is directly contracted, I guess, per se. Gotcha. I got you for sure. And, and for the people yeah. out there, Nate or Aaron, I guess, um, what is MIT? Can we um, blow the roof on that and tell people like what it is, what it can do for you and how um, it's practiced, I guess. So muscle activation technique. Um, I am not yet certified in that, uh, but a little bit about it is an MAT practitioner can um, 
evaluate range of motions in the, in the body um, in many different ways. You know, uh, they'll put you on the table and they'll see what your range of motion is on this side of the hip compared to the other side of the hip and flexion, extension, abduction, or anywhere throughout the whole body. And they'll see where the limitations are or where one side's got a better looking range of motion or strength compared to the other side. And through that evaluation process, they can, um, you know, go hands-on therapy and try to activate some muscles around there to help to so-called realign the body. Um, and with that hands-on therapy, um, they had a strength conditioning background. It will help them also um, prescribe exercise as well. That might help those similar muscle groups that need to be strengthened. Um, to make it simple. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That assessment's been pretty valuable as far as just, like I said, I'm not a uh, certified MAT either, but just knowing and getting the feedback from people that do MAT, the range of motion assessments and the strength, um, you gain a lot of insight into like how they're moving and, and what exercises we can push in our program to better them or, or fix a, a problem that they're encountering. That's maybe not an injury per se, but it's just a, a chronic um, bother or it's leading to an injury. Well, and that's cool too, because it goes back to the first PI publication they, they released where it's, Hey, if there's a greater than 10 to 10% disparity from left to right in any range of motion, we know that's an increase in 70 to 90% injury risk of that particular joint. So it's cool that it, it I don't know much about MAT. Who's the, who's the guy that made it again? He works with a golfer. Greg Groskopf. Yes, that's who it is. Okay. Um, I, I just know that it's, it's kind of like a manual therapy mix with like a PIR type of approach, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's, it just makes, it makes a lot of sense where, Hey, if, if it's a range of motion issue, what's probably going to be the first line of defense. First line of defense probably is going to be neurologic tension. If it's neurologic tension, well, guess what? Let's use a neurologic approach, which is going to be that PIR. So it's always made sense that MAT concept. And it's cool to see a gym as big as you guys implementing that in what seems like an extremely efficient way. 100%. Yeah, I mean, the warm up was the uh, the warm up was developed around that that kind of mindset of you know getting activation all the way around all yeah. the way throughout the body, and so a heavy MAT influence on the warm up that we do. Okay, that's awesome. You know, Lauren uh, did a pretty good job at kind of teaching us up to, uh, um, I guess, say stay in your lane um, as a strength coach, <laughs> and I really feel it's okay to tell your athlete that if you really don't understand. And something okay to say that that's out of your scope, yeah. you know, research on it, but we're going to find a solution to help you instead of me being the guy saying, oh man, meniscus, you're three weeks out. This is going to be the perfect thing for you right here. <laughs> I, we, I don't have all the answers because that's not yeah. my exact realm. You know, I'm not sure. a physical therapist. I'm for not sure. MAT practitioner, um, but we can tell the athlete, we can go around this. This is what, how it's going to help you. And we can take a team approach to get this thing better and doing what's best for the athlete, which is the coolest part. I, I agree, dude, not enough people say, and I'm guilty of this from a good amount of most of my earlier career where I'm like, I feel like I can fix a lot of people, but at the point I just, sometimes you got to take your hands off and be like, Hey, you can't do everything. I don't fucking know. I don't know the answer to this question. Let's talk to smarter people than me or in a different scope and see what we can do to make them better. And it's just having exactly. that the athlete comes first, not your own ego and your own pride. And I think yeah. the athlete will respect you more for that too. They'll yeah. say, you know what? That was cool that this guy is willing to check himself out the door. It means he actually cares. And that makes exactly. him might want to communicate even more. Exactly. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Thread that needle is hard. And especially I feel like strength and conditioning can get so ego driven in the field that, um, like you said, having that humility and, and being able to actually connect with a person and like, 
communicate that like I genuinely want the best for you is is a huge bonus in your own corner. So totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, kind of changing gears. I wanted to talk about we we're talking about a little bit MAT and assessments or ranges of motion. I guess what are some of the the key movement patterns that you guys push with uh, specifically MMA fighters? Or do you see a lot of like I don't know hinges or a lot of any particular movement patterns that's always going to be in your program for MMA guys or that you're progressing through when they're out of camp to in camp? Um, I mean, you know, hinges, we did, we tend to stay away from like a heavy hinge close to the fight. Just um, typically we would put that on a Monday, you know, and, and they go to wrestling practice after that, which is heavy hip hinge yeah. already. So, um, you know, there's, we work it in with some of our other guys that don't need that, that metabolic component on the Wednesdays. We'll work in a hinge on win, on, on the Wednesday for them. Um, but squat pattern, you know, push a pull. Um, we usually go pretty heavy on the poles, pretty, our, our training is pretty dominant on the poles just because of the postural, uh, fix that, that we can get from those, you know, they're, they're very rounded in the shoulder, very kyphotic. So we try to open them up with some more of those poles, try to, try to add poles into almost every pairing that we have, whether it's a tertiary exercise or secondary exercise or, or the primary, but, um, pretty, uh, pretty do- predominant on poles specifically, um, single leg stability, we put pretty good work on single leg stability uh, as well um yeah i don't know what else you got nate uh so a lot of times you know when we do go our pressing exercises you know we'll give them an option sometimes of a dumbbell bench or a floor press um a lot of the guys don't seem to respond very well to barbell bench um some of them are okay with it but a majority of them usually tend to go towards those dumbbells because it kind of gives them that option to find uh that angle with their shoulders of what feels better than on their pressing? Like, you know, whether I want my elbows, my shoulders more abducted out, or if I want them in a little closer, it helps them find that range that's more pain-free. And with you guys having, I'm sure you guys knew with jujitsu and wrestling background that getting your shoulders cranked on all the time. Um, now you gotta be pretty careful with loading up that, that barbell, um, or those pressing exercises as well, since there's probably already a lot of stuff going on in there. You're speaking Austin's language. He's the, the least barbell strength coach that I've ever met. Hey, <laughs> I use barbells from time to time. I just, all right. So for athletes that are, you guys know, you work with combat athletes and are combat athletes for typically combat athletes are not afraid, but uncomfortable in the weight room. Would you say that's not where they sure. thrive? Yeah. I think Aaron said that exactly. <laughs> 100%. Earlier. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So why would I do literally the most uncomfortable thing for them, which, Hey, if they're already threatened by something going into a place that they're uncomfortable, the barbell is the one implement where they're like, Oh fuck. Well, this is I'm power lifting now, even though yeah. all of us know they're not, but yeah. that's, that's in their brain. They're like, Oh man, now I'm doing that heavy lifting stuff. I'm going to put on weight. And so I'm like, well, <laughs> let's just do my headline <laughs> stuff. Let's do kettlebell stuff I actually just got you guys seen the new kabuki flywheel that came out the kratos it's a uh, kabuki no. strength it's, the, it's chris duffin up in it's like a uh, up in box portland so it's like a k-box but it's dual axis okay. so it's from the ground uh, okay. and on the wall dude that is the most fun thing that i've been playing with recently we got in like last week and i think i've probably done at least personally ten thousand reps of different exercises just fucking that's, around with this flywheel and that's the most exercise austin's done since he got out of college 100 <laughs> percent 100% outside of wrestling. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but awesome. it's, 
it's like, why, why would I use the one implement that all these fighting or these fighters are kind of afraid of, or just not comfortable with when you can use the dumbbell bench and they can find that safe arm slot or just not even a safe arm slot, but a comfortable arm slot for them. Well, and when we program, like, you know, we always, on Monday, we have usually squat is our first is in our first pairing here, but we go squat choice. So yep. we're not saying, Hey, you got a back squat or, Hey, you got a trap bar squat or, you know, like some of them, it's like, maybe it's going to be a split squat, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe it's going to be a Zercher squat, you know, it just depends. Like it, it can look different, you know? And so that's where we kind of individualize as well do that, but give them the choice, whatever feels most comfortable for them. That's what they're going to get the strongest on. And they're really only doing it once a week. So um, you want them to feel pretty damn comfortable on it. If that's all they're doing. For sure. That's a, that's honestly a really cool idea that I wish more coaches did where if you have a group, it's like squat choice instead of everybody's barbell back squatting or everybody's safety squatting, whatever it may be. It's whatever you feel comfortable with do that squat because a squat's a, yeah. a squat's a squat. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, some people like we, we notice it with some people like, Hey, they just don't trust the range on a back squat. They're not getting So let's move them to a trap bar. Let's move them to a goblet or somewhere we know that'll force them into a little bit of a deeper range because they just don't trust it on a back squat. You know, it's like, and so we're not, we try not to be married to any certain, any certain, uh, move, you know, like a squat type or press. Yeah. If you want a barbell bench, barbell bench. If you want a floor press, floor press. If you want a dumbbell floor press, you got that yeah. option too. You know, whatever, whatever, whatever you're, you're most, most comfortable, comfortable, that's what you're going to get the strongest on. And that's really what we want. For sure. Uh, and that's a hundred percent something I think I, I've grown in, in seeing is like martial arts and, and like it's wrestling in general, the, the movement is so unorthodox and like free flowing. And then we put guys on barbell and like trying to fit them in this very technical specific movement. And they're like, that just doesn't fit. Right. Because it's like trying to make the, like fit a whole creative athlete into one small range of movement. And that, that again, doesn't fit well in their head. You know, the, the training age is so funny with them, right? Uh, yeah. with the, with the majority of the fighters. Cause you know, like, I mean, shoot high school, college, Nate would think I'm like watching these fights on TV. Like, man, I bet these guys are so freaking strong, man. They're so, I bet they're putting all this weight <laughs> up and, you know, and then, you know, I, when I got my internship, I was like, man, these guys, they're not all very strong, but they can beat your ass. I yeah. mean, <laughs> it, it was a, it was a great wake up call for me of, you know, uh, Strength conditioning is a great tool, but a skill set is also very valuable to make sure you have as well. That was a good wake up of, you know, it takes, it takes a village, um, to help these guys out for sure. For sure. Yeah. And that's, that's something cool that I've seen too, is like, they're, it's not that they're not strong. It's that they're not strong in what we train. They're very positionally strong Yes. to where like, they're very like in wrestling, they're positionally strong enough to get through on a blast double and they can get their hips in and elevate through like, like somebody you work with, like a Kamaru or in jujitsu, you know, Aaron, like the positionally, the positional strength of your adductors to be able to hold guard for a prolonged period of time, the fuck out of here. There's no exercise I can mimic in the weight room to do that. I mean, it's so funny how many times <laughs> I would like train with somebody, do like jujitsu with someone first. And think like, man, this person, once I get them in the weight room, they're going to be a beast, you know, like there's no way. And then they get in there and it's like, they can't even trap bar like 95 pounds. Yeah. And you're like, what the hell? Like this doesn't make sense to me, you know? And so I'm sitting here just like, it's, but it's, it's puzzling. Yeah. But um, you can still get them stronger, even though they For may sure. feel strong on the mat, you yeah. can still get them stronger. Oh yeah. Well, and, and I guess that lens is kind of like more of an injury prevention thing. Like, like you're not necessarily exactly, getting yeah. them stronger so that they can, you know, hold their grips stronger. You're getting them stronger so that they're more robust to 
anything yep. I might see. Yeah, more tolerable. Yep. Um, the nerd in me, the motor, the motor learning and uh, and mobility nerd in me. Do you guys ever do any like DNS, like dynamic neuromuscular stabilization stuff, or do any like at function uh, functional range or FRC stuff? And do you program that in at all, or is it mostly just straight up movement patterns? I'd say mostly straight up movement patterns. Gotcha. Um, you know, I like to think I go back to the warm up on that. Um, yep. as far as, um, sometimes if the guys, you know, I've told some guys before when they come in and they're, you know, I really want to see that range of motion on that day. I might mm-hmm. say, Hey, on your scorpions and the quadruped series, your fire hydrants, let's get some three second pauses on these and really take your time. That way we can really see and get the best of our range of motion instead of just trying to go through the motion per se. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's, you know, a lot of that's helped and some of the things that we've added in. Um, I feel like a lot of things we had in kind of integrate all of that. Um, gotcha. Our lateral lunges, maybe on a Friday, um, the warm up, uh, a goblet squat, maybe a lot of those things. I think it's kind of integrated throughout as well. For sure. Well, and shit, mobility. Just load up a squat. That's mobility right there. <laughs> yeah, it's all yeah, it's all in how you do it, right? Not always like <laughs> what odd positions can you hold. It's like it's like how how well are you actually executing your strength. Uh, your strength movements through a full range of motion motion mm-hmm. yeah uh, what do you got what else you got alex you had a longer list I of questions if, yeah if we can finish it off kind of on a quick header i guess one thing for some of either the strength coaches or the sport coaches that want to understand strength conditioning more or get into it what's uh like one of the most important qualities that you would have to say to work with this population in MMA as a strength coach, what's one of the most important qualities that you need to have? Um, for me, I would say in my opinion, experience, um, experience, 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 and, uh, you've got to make mistakes as well. Um, I know Lauren would say like, you know, we we're going to make mistakes, but we got to learn from those mistakes. I feel that, you know, we might learn all these things in the classroom when we're, you know, young and in college, but it takes a lot of time to really figure out uh, how to make, how to blend all that together. Um, Because, uh, you know, in the real world, nothing is set just like how, when we write up a workout, a lot of things might have to be changed that same day. So I think a lot of experience is my best learning tool for me. Um, and I mean, shoot only six years in it. I feel like there's still a heck more to go. Um, but that I really feel that's the key, especially for, if you're trying to get your feet wet and being humble, you know, just be open. Like it's okay to just, uh, say, Hey, I don't know it yet, but we're going to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I think keeping it simple, you know, like you'll never go wrong with the simple stuff. I mean, I think, you know, early on for me, it was always like, you want to get, you want to progress guys. You want to move them on to the next thing, you know, and get them feeling good by doing something that feels hard. But I mean, consistency over the same movements is really what's going to pay off in the long run and just staying simple. And, and, And you become a better coach at coaching those things when you see them more often you know, you see the same movements over and over again, you're going to get better at coaching those movements. You know, you're going to get more experience with those movements. But if you're picking through a huge library of movements, you know, that you're decent at coaching, you haven't seen anybody do it, you haven't done it in, you know, three years, but you want this person to figure it out, you know, just keep it simple. Um, You know, it's like, like with Camaro, you know, you would think this guy, you know, would be doing a crazy workout. You know, it's like, it's goblet squats, it's monster walks, it's floor press. It's not, you know, there's nothing crazy about it. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be, you know, and, 
and yeah. he's bought into it that that it can it can be the same thing over and over and over again and just getting better at doing it because i mean like we said they only do it once you know once a week or so or so and sometimes it's 10 months out of the year if you're lucky so keeping it simple, keeping it, you know, the, the same, it, you, you're never going to go wrong with that. You know I mean? And the urge is always there to progress something else. So you're telling me that you don't have to throw strobe lights on and have them squat on a BOSU ball. That's not a you thing you have blindfold to do. Them. Blindfold <laughs> them too. If you can get them to yeah. the blindfold, then get them on the BOSU ball and yeah, just throw. Swing the water bottle it. back and forth, test their head movement. Yep. But exactly. I heard that's what yeah. all elite athletes have to do to progress, just like LeBron it and Alvin Kamara. Yeah, it wins fights. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man. Uh, yeah. Oh, but you're right. I get so eager sometimes to like do this cool exercise science thing, or I learned this new method. I want to jump into that. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, and that's again another um, instance of like satiating your own ego and being like, look how much I know about strength conditioning. I love working out. You should too. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, they probably don't. You know. <laughs> they, oh yeah. Most yeah, some of them maybe do. Some of them maybe do, but yeah. at least half of them don't like that, you know? And so, um, yeah, if you keep throwing new stuff at them that they don't feel comfortable doing and, they, and they're not doing it well, you know, they're failing at it over and over again, like, because it's always something new. One, there's not progress, but you're always shattered. You're also shattering confidence. You stick somebody with something, they're like hitting new numbers on a regular basis. Yeah. I'm telling you, that, that'll make them feel better than them figuring out how to squat on a BOSU ball. Yeah. You know, I, I agree with Aaron because like with – just to keep it simple, I've learned that over the years, the more you start to know and learn, the more you realize you really don't know that much. Um, when you think you know a lot, you really, yep. you really, really don't know that much. Because when you actually start figuring a couple of things out, you end up to another whole scenario of thousands of other questions. Yep. Um, so that's where keeping it simple is really going to help with that. Yeah. Sure. Amen. Well, all right. I got one last question for you guys. Um, so if you have to regress somebody, you guys work with some of the best athletes in the entire world. Some of the best combat athletes out there, they want to win every single workout. I would assume. What if they come in and having a bad day and you have to regress them away? What's that conversation look like? Cause I know it's hard for a lot of young coaches to have that conversation with elite athletes where you have to pull back the reins, but in a way that's not going to make the athlete feel shitty about themselves. So I feel like you've got to really educate the athlete on that part. Um, because these guys have all come from a sport where, no, I'm going to grind it out. I'm going to mm-hmm. grind through this wrestling practice. I'm going to grind this. We're kind of the, uh, we're, we're the mediators. I think the strength and coach is the mediator in this part. So we've got to say, Hey, you know what, man, I want to make sure you're peaked for this day. I, I want to make sure you're feeling really good for sparring. And I think you're going to feel a lot better for sparring. If we take this approach if we just take a little bit of this out Mm -hmm. and bring it down a little bit because we're just not there today and that's okay you're going to be there again but today is a day that we've got to be smart with the body and some of them are going to fight you on it they're going to say no i'm tough and i'm gonna and sometimes you know maybe meet them halfway a little bit other times i'm like no way dude this is just not this is my job is to make sure we get you there right Mm -hmm. and sometimes when you win that battle with them and they listen they'll come back coach you're right, dude. I'm glad I didn't do that shit. I'm glad I didn't push myself because I feel way better now. Now I'm able to actually have the energy to push. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we just had that with a fighter that just fought a couple of weeks ago where it's, we, we usually deload week five, well, five mm-hmm. weeks out. We'll, we'll pull back that week. Cause we know they're going to want to train, you know, they're going to take fight week down, but those weeks two, three, four, you're going to want to train hard on those weeks. You're going to want to feel good. So 
right. Usually that's like what the, the approach I take is like, you know, and you got to know when it is, where are we at in the training camp? You know, maybe we do push. Maybe this is a practice like, Hey, you know what? You're going to have to like buckle up here. You know, like this is, this is a tough one. You know, you feel like shit, but guess what? Everybody, when they're three weeks out from a fight, feel like shit and they probably yeah. should because they've been training hard. You know, if you don't feel like shit, then maybe you haven't trained that hard. Yeah. And so it's like, Hey, look, you feel this way for a reason and it's okay. You know, we know we're going to take fight week down or we know we're going to take week five down, mm-hmm. you know? And so we, you know, like you, you should, you know, like having that plan with them and, and, you know, always communicate with them with where they're at and the other coaches. So the other coaches are also saying the same thing, you know, you're all speaking the same language, right. you know? So if they do go to striking class after they see you and, you know, you fill in the coach, like, Hey, so-and-so is having a tough day, you know, but we're at week two and a half weeks out. We got to push through it, you know, just push them mm-hmm. through it. Don't say, well, let's pull back, you know, like, let's make sure we're all on the same page. And, you know, it's just, it, but that comes with what, what Nate said, you know, it comes with experience. It comes with experience and kind of just knowing, knowing your athlete and kind of knowing with where they're at. But if they need a week down, like, you know, you got, you got to make sure that they, you know, they have enough time to kind of get that push that they're going to want before the fight. You want them going in confident. So you have a couple of weeks to push them still, then maybe you could take a week down, you know, and, and, and feel good about it. And then and convince them that way. Like, Hey, if we don't take this week down, you're going to feel like shit next week. And then you're going to feel like shit the week after that. And then you got to go fight, you know? So just kind of knowing your timing with it all and, and, um, with where they're at in their training. Um, but it comes with experience, you know, it, it does, it does like it, you gotta, you gotta get lots of repetitions, which is great about the fight game because seasons are always happening. You mm-hmm. know, it's like one season you have, you're like 20 guys in season, 10 guys in preseason, 10 guys in, you know, off season. And it's yep. like, and you're always cycling through. So, um, you do get a lot of repetitions, a lot of programming, uh, that you can, you can really, you can really advance in that stuff pretty well. Um, if, if you're, if you're keeping track of it all too, you know, and, and, and learning from it for sure. I love it. Oh, yeah, I got, man. You guys all got right. anything else you want to talk about or ask us any questions or ask each other questions? Cause I know you don't see each other enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have yeah. anything to ask Nate. Yeah, uh, I'm sure it'll come up when it needs to, you know, with him. Uh, no, but that's just, it's a heck of a community to train. Um, yeah. In my opinion, it's probably some of the toughest, one of the hardest groups to figure out because of the amount of variabilities. And it's not a sport where, you know, you've, it's not like, um, a sport like track where we know the result is run the faster time in a straight line. Um, which that's a great skill set itself, but there's so many variabilities, so many open-ended questions you ask that could it have been this, could it have been that, you know, in some sports you can look at it and just say it was because of this and everyone knows why, but in fighting, it's just, it's always up for debate on what the issue might be or what was the reason they were great, you know? So that's why we love it. It's un- yeah, that, puzzle. yeah. That's what, that's what makes it fun for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the good shit. Yeah. 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 It's, there's always new challenge, you know, there's always new challenges and, and different things to figure out. It's pretty exciting. All right, boys, send off question. Who wins in a fight, a silverback gorilla or a grizzly bear? I'm silverback. Yeah. I got to go yes. silverback, dude. I mean, yes. I, I, I saw I one of those. Both you guys, you know what? I've, I've heard that debate before, but when I saw one at the Omaha zoo, there's no doubt in my mind, man. hundred uh, <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent. Yeah, two more on my side: a silverback gorilla or Aaron Porter. Ooh, 
Silverback. <laughs> yeah. She's <laughs> uh, like 400 pounds, man. I don't care. 400 pound white belt's hard to deal with. A 400 pound white belt is a problem. White belts are dangerous. Yeah. White belts are very dangerous. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. We appreciate you guys jumping on. It was fantastic talking with you. Great to finally Absolutely. actually see you virtually. Alex has said great things about both of y'all. Um, but for all the listeners, please like, share, subscribe, do all the cool stuff that allows us to talk to more people and share our message. Um, our website is now up at buildingafighter.com and we have all of our programs on there, whether it's individualized or preset or team-based programs. And then as always, this is Building Fighter, Dr. Austin Shane, Alex Friedman, and Aaron Porter, <laughs> and Nate Smock. Perfect. And we are out. Oh